The Bible, Is It the Word of God? by Andre Del Erba. The Bible is an extension of the Jewish scriptures talking about the Messiah. The question is, do the books in the Bible claim to be the Word of God? Yes, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. The words contained in these books are inspired by God Himself, and they are breathed out through mankind, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 21. Did God speak directly through people that caused them to write, Thus says the Lord? The following logical facts prove that the Bible is the Word of God. Can any other book or authority match up? This question I will allow you to answer as you dwell on these facts. The following biblical facts will be broken down into seven sections. A. What is the Bible? B. Is any historical content in the Bible backed up externally? C. What are the general facts? D. How do we know man didn't write the Bible to keep peace? E. What are the main messages and themes in the Bible? F. How do we know the writers were inspired by God? G. Is Jesus the Messiah, the one God and the prophets said we are to listen to? A. What is the Bible? The Bible is a library of books comprised of the Old Testament and the New Testament. The total content of the Bible is divided into 77% Old Testament and 23% New Testament. The books contained in the Bible are the inspired words of God. The Old Testament centers on the Messiah God promised to send. The Messiah would make a way to save those who come to Him from their sins and thus have eternal life. In Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 18 through 19, God said to Moses, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. Jesus Christ of Nazareth fulfilled the condition of all the prophecies concerning the Messiah. Thus, the New Testament centers on Him and the new covenant that is available in and through Him. The Old Testament consists of a collection of 39 books, mostly written in Hebrew and some in Aramaic. They were written from around 1900 to 400 B.C. on animal skin. The New Testament consists of 27 books written mostly in Greek with some words in Aramaic. They were written from around 50 to 95 A.D., on animal skins and papyrus. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament were compiled together in a book and translated into the Syriac Aramaic, known as the Peshitta, between 130 and 150 A.D. However, this book missed only five of the 27 books of the New Testament that we have in the Bible today. These five books weren't in full circulation, but were being read in many churches at that time. The full circulation of the Bible we have today extends back to 367 A.D. The word Bible comes through Latin via the Greek word biblos, meaning book. The biblos, or book, consisted of biblia, which is Latin for little books. The name biblos comes from the name of a city called Biblos, an ancient region on the eastern Mediterranean coast located north of modern Beirut. This city made codex, the earliest form of books, from the inner bark of the papyrus. The papyrus was folded in half and stitched on the side to form a codex. Before the codex, scrolls were used, 
and since no printing press existed until 1450 A.D., all the original compilations of the Bible were hand-copied. This took a scribe around one year to copy. In the 13th century, the Bible was separated into chapter divisions, and by mid-16th century, all the chapters were divided into verses. The Bible is literally in a class of its own. No book comes close. In fact, many books through our history have tried to compare themselves to the Bible because the standard the Bible set is unequaled. B. Is any historical content in the Bible backed up externally? Generally, people believe the explainable events in the Bible, but not those that can't be explained by our understanding or science. They ignore the God factor and believe the book was written by man, because if they believed God, then it wouldn't be impossible for God to do these things. So let's first see if some of these so-called questionable events, like creation, Noah and the flood, the plagues in Egypt, are backed up in other external sources besides the Bible. The creation account is also recorded in the Ibla tablet, dating back to around 2000 B.C., and specifically attributing creation to one great being, Lugal, literally meaning the Great One. The flood that covered the entire earth around 2350 B.C. is also mentioned as a great flood that destroyed the world in the Sumerian kings, dating back to 2000 to 2250 B.C. The plagues God poured out on the Egyptians when he came against their gods are also recorded in the Egyptian hieroglyphics, Ipur Papyrus, dating back to around 1450 B.C. Also, people in the Bible are verified through external historical documentation, such as the Roman emperors, Caesar Augustus, Tiberius, and Claudius, Roman governors, Pontius Pilate, Sergius Paulus, Gallio, Felix, and Festus. Local rulers, Herod the Great, Archelaus, Herod Antipas, Philip, Herod Agrippa I, Herod Agrippa II, Lysanias, and Aretas IV. High priests, Annas, Joseph Caiaphas, and Ananias. Prominent women, Herodias, Salome, Bernice, and Drusilla. And just recently, archaeologists discovered the supposed bones of the chief prosecutor at that trial of Jesus, the high priest Joseph Caiaphas, inside an ossuary, a stone chest used to store bones from burial sites. Flavius Josephus, a Jewish historian of the first century, also wrote about Jesus and his impact. Antiquities, chapter 18, verses 63 and 64, quote, At this time there was a wise man called Jesus, and his conduct was good, and he was known to be virtuous. Many people among the Jews and the other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die. But those who had become his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that he had appeared to them three days after his crucifixion, and that he was alive. Accordingly, he was perhaps the Messiah, the Christ, concerning whom the prophets have reported wonders and the tribe of the Christians, so named after him, has not disappeared to this day, end quote. Also, throughout history, archaeologists continually use the Bible as a source to validate cities, towns, regions, and authorities. These historical facts are undisputed. C. What are the general facts? 1. It is the only book to originate in three languages, yet with a consistent message. 
Hebrew, most of the Old Testament, Aramaic, Daniel chapters 2 through 7, Ezra chapters 4 through 7, Matthew chapter 27 verse 46, and Greek, most of the New Testament. 2. The books were written in different places, what is known today as Asia, Africa, and Europe. 3. The time span from the first to the last writer is around 2,000 years. No other book comes close. 4. The events described in the Bible range from just before 4,000 B.C. to eternity. 5. The Bible is the only book that has been translated into more languages than any other. Most of the so-called great books have been translated into five languages, but the Bible has been translated into around 2,200 languages, which reaches over 90% of the world's population. Why is this important? This is further evidence that God wants people to know His Word. 6. The Bible is the only religious mainstream book permitting the common man to have access to it. Again, God wants all to know what He said. 7. After people were permitted to read the Bible in England, it was used to break literacy barriers. 8. The Bible has more critics than any other book ever written, yet it is the only book that silences these critics with facts. 9. The Bible is the only book that world leaders have actually planned to exterminate along with the people who follow it. Antiochus four Epiphanes, a Syrian leader, was determined to destroy Israel and burn all the Hebrew scriptures. Two centuries later, 31 to 64 AD, the Jewish leaders try to exterminate the Christians. Gamaliel, who was a well-respected Jewish teacher of the law at that time, stood up in the council at Jerusalem, saying in Acts chapter 5, verses 38 and 39, quote, And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. End quote. His declaration had no impact, and the persecution continued. Also, the Roman emperors tried to exterminate Christians and the Bible, the worst of them being Nero, 54 to 68 A.D., Domitian, 81 to 96 A.D., Decius, 249-251 A.D., and Diocletian, 284-305 A.D. More recently, under Nazism, Communism, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, where the Bible and Christians are considered one of their biggest enemies, the Bible has surely stood the test of persecution. 10. It is the only religious book that centers on God's love and His redemption plan for mankind not leaving man in the deprived state of sin, but providing the way of escape, and says, God is love. The Bible also describes how to live life and express love. And all things that are important for making daily decisions, having a relationship with the Creator, marriage, parenting, sexuality, divorce, authorities, leadership, work ethics, what things to avoid, etc. Providing a moral compass that is life-changing the evidence of which fills our history books. 11. It is the only book where the message came from God in many different forms, dreams, transportation, visions, revelations from angels, messages by way of miracles, audible and inner voices, never contradicting the message in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. 12. 
God revealed himself to all through creation, but made his character known through Israel. Jesus told the Samaritan woman, You worship what you don't know. We, the Jews, know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. John chapter 4 verses 22 and 23. Jesus acknowledged that only the Jewish people have the ability to worship God. Why? Because God had given Israel His Word, the Hebrew canon. Why only Israel and not everyone? If you were God, how would you show who you were without physically showing yourself to everyone? You would select the weakest people on earth and then demonstrate your influence and power through them. Any nation who came against the nation you are helping would lose. This is what God did with Israel. He chose the weakest of people and with His word and guidance made them strong. When other nations looked at Israel, they said, How is this possible? Because they aren't the strongest. It must be the God whom they serve. There are other so-called gods in the world, such as Satan or self, but there is only one true God, the Creator, and it is He who gave all free will, to either choose Him or reject Him. God delivered the Israelites from Egypt and came against the ten Egyptian gods whom they worshipped. Neither the Egyptians nor their gods could face the God of Israel. The plagues did not touch the Israelites. It only came on the Egyptians. Now, if you saw that distinction, what would you have thought? This is not only documented in the Bible, but also in the Egyptians' hieroglyphics, Ipur Papyrus. What caused this? It was not the will of the Israelites, it was not the belief of the Egyptians, nor was it a figment of their imagination, but it was God who said it would come, and it did on cue through the mouth of Moses. Similarly, Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal to show them that their God would not be able to stand against God Almighty. After the prophets of Baal couldn't incite Baal, who they created, to bring fire down on the sacrifice, they gave up. The true God, through Elijah, sent fire to come down from heaven and consume the water-saturated sacrifice that Elijah had prepared. This was performed in front of many people, and more specifically, in front of the 450 prophets of Baal. What would you have done if you were there? Continue serving Baal, or follow the God of Elijah, who is the God of Israel? And today, there are many other examples where people have been supernaturally healed of incurable diseases and raised from the dead in the name of Jesus Christ, whose Father is the God of Israel. D. How do we know man didn't write the Bible to keep peace? Some will say, the Bible was written by man to ensure peace is maintained. This is illogical, because if it was man-focused, it would be self-focused and not God-focused. The reason this statement is made is because people don't want to be accountable to God. But if the statement comes from, if there is a creator, God, I would want to know and I will follow him, then allow me to answer this statement from a historical and philosophical perspective. The Bible is the only book where people speaking God's word were not motivated by personal needs, but to express exactly what God said, because they feared God more than man. It is the only book where some of the prophets were killed when delivering the message of God. This is proof that the prophets feared God more than man, even to the point of death. What would make you tell people the message of God even if you knew they would kill you? If God or an angel or a strong inner conviction told you?
Another view, if it was man-motivated, the concept of love would have been as a reward and not as a first effort. God says, you love me and others and you will be blessed. Man says, I need to be blessed first and then I will love. Man says, get even. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 verse 45, I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Does this honestly sound like man-motivated? Another view, man would not have condemned themselves as sinners unless truth existed in the first place. When mankind is compared to the Ten Commandments, he fails on every account. All have rebelled against God, all have lied, all have stolen, and the list goes on. Another view, when people sin, they receive the consequences of emptiness, guilt, and depression. Why do they feel this if they don't know or believe His Word? Their rebellion against God's Word screams on the inside of them, their conscience. They may silence their conscience, but deep down they know they have sinned or are sinning. Another view. We know that people who make laws don't need to keep them because they are above the law they make. For instance, the government, pharaoh, kings, or queens. However, the writers in the Bible were conformed to the word that they shared, even to the point of death. Another view. If the Bible was written as an incentive for people to conform, then all it would be are empty words with no backing, no benefits, and no consequences. So why are people suffering today? Do you know? The Bible explains why people suffer and why they are blessed. It isn't by chance. Yes, some good people suffer at the hands of evil people, and yes, some who make millions are still miserable and doing everything to fill the void. The Bible explains this, too. When people follow God's word, good things start to happen. As Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. E. What are the main messages and themes in the Bible? 1. The Bible is the only book to describe how to experience and express love, which is the meaning of life. 1. God's love for us. 2. Love God. 3. Love self. 4. Love other Christians more than self. and 5. Love others like self. It is no coincidence that Christ's followers show love beyond anyone else. Not because they can in their own strength, but because they rely on Him. If they surrender to Him, then it is His love working through them. The more intimate the relationship they have with their Heavenly Father, who is God, the more His love will rub off on them. For God is love. 1 John chapter 4 verse 8 Jesus taught unconditional love. In Matthew chapter 5 verses 44 through 46, I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. A pretty high standard of love, isn't it? 
Now, thinking logically, I put all the founders and religions on the table to see which one expresses the most love. For it is the expression of love which is the meaning of life, not in words, but in deeds. Who gives up their life to love and help others? And whose house would I want to live in if I were ever handicapped, blind, an orphan, or in need? How would they care for me? How would they treat me if I were a woman? These appear to be simple questions. I was surprised at how many fell by the wayside after the very first question. Don't be deceived by all religions are the same. They are not. Don't be ignorant. Check them out on these simple questions. I used to say all religions were the same until I did this simple exercise for myself. It was Christians who started hospitals, orphanages, feeding those starving in Africa, clothing those in need, helping those who can't fend for themselves like World Vision, started educational institutions to help educate those who can't afford it. They built and developed schools for the handicapped. Christians continue to be generous, outgiving non-Christians 10 to 1, look at the government records, and who continually will sacrifice themselves to go to hostile areas to teach God's love through missions. Many giving up their lives sacrificially to help those who end up killing them, even today. Some may say, what about the Crusades? What about them? They killed Christians and non-Christians. Measure a Christian with respect to their founder, not based on the title they give themselves. Also, never think a Christian doesn't make mistakes. The reason they are Christians is because they acknowledge their mistakes and humble themselves under Christ's rule, so that Christ can work through them. The above examples are clear evidence of Him shining through them. But the question I would ask you, what will make you go beyond the safety of your comfort zones to help others you don't know or who hate you? This is what Christians try to do in Him. Is there any greater love? 2. The Bible is the only book to describe the four pillars of life. Our origin before we were born. Our destination after we die the meaning of life, and the moral compass that is life-changing. 3. The main message of the Bible is God's love for us. And because He is a just and holy God, He will punish sin. Therefore, because of His love, He sent His Son, Jesus the Messiah, the Christ. Jesus paid the price for the sins, that is, paid for our rebellion against God with His own blood. Today, the freedom that we experience in our country, with others, was due to the shedding of blood of those who came before us. Freedom is not free. They paid for this freedom with their own blood. Without bloodshed, there was no freedom. Similarly, Jesus Christ shed His sinless blood so that we can have freedom with God. He gives eternal life to those who come to Him. It is not enough to believe in God. You believe that there is one God. You do well, even the demons believe and tremble. James chapter 2 verse 19. But they aren't going to heaven. God made the rules to get to heaven, just like He made the rules for creation and everything in it. If we jump off a building because we don't want to believe in gravity, guess what happens? So why would we expect to get to heaven without following the rules to get there? Believing in God is not enough and what we call good makes no difference to what God calls good. And all our so-called good works are filthy rags before Him. Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6. We are not God. His plan points to His Son, Jesus the Christ, and the need to surrender to His Son. 
God demonstrates his own love to us, while we being still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. And in John chapter 3 verses 16 through 18, For God so loved the world, insomuch that he gave his only born Son, so that whoever believes into him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For indeed, God sent not his Son into the world in order to condemn the world, but in order that the world through him be saved. He who believes into him is not condemned, but he who believes not is condemned already, because he does not believe into the name of the only born Son of God. Jesus said, No one can come to the Father except through me. John chapter 14, verse 6. So it comes down to, you either believe Jesus was a liar, or who he said he was. You can't play games with the fact he was just a good man. He didn't leave that option open. The Bible provides no alternatives but an ultimatum. The time is now, and everyone is responsible to choose God's plan. That is, surrender to his Son and be saved for eternity, or not, and continue in eternal destruction. The choice is yours. This is the main message of the Bible. F. How do we know the writers were inspired by God? 1. The ultimate truth test is putting God's Word into practice, and you'll start seeing things fall into place. It isn't a coincidence. What gives one nation more strength than another? It's not money or military might, but wisdom. Wisdom is not knowing everything, but knowing the right thing at the right time to implement it. It's the fear of the God of Israel, the Father of Christ, that brings wisdom. And when we fear God, then we surrender to His Son, Jesus Christ. In the Bible, there were many situations where the odds were against God's people, but yet they were victorious. For example, Abraham destroyed those who came against him, armies much greater than his own. In fact, Abraham's household were just farmers who defeated experienced warriors. Moses destroyed most of Egypt and the Egyptians, even though he and the Israelites didn't even lift a finger to fight against them. God fought on their behalf. Time fails to mention David, Solomon, Gideon, Asa, and Joshua. All of these men fought armies ten to one hundred times more in number, equipment, and experience than them. Sometimes they just came around the corner and their enemies were already dead. When Israel turned away from God to follow their own wisdom, influenced by the nations around them and their own intellect, in around 700 B.C., then other nations and kingdoms possessed them until 1948 A.D. And today, 5% of the world's population controls the rest. It has been like this for the last 1,700 years. When the authority of the country is founded on Jesus Christ, then the land is blessed by God. God said, choose life or death, blessings or curses, that is, choose his son or not, the choice is yours. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Psalm 2 verse 12 says, Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Some nations are clearly more blessed than others, and others look cursed. Don't just look at money. Look at what they believe and compare the authorities of the land to the scripture. Most of the nations that are blessed or were blessed base their authority on Christian principles, God's word, the Bible. Also, in God's mercy, he allows his children, 
Christians, to be persecuted by others in order to win the persecutors to him. Many persecutors have given their life over to Jesus Christ because of the love, forgiveness, and faith they saw in the very people they were persecuting. Again, it is people who are doing the persecuting, and not God. God doesn't change people's will, but calls them to him. 2. When the writers wrote, Thus says the Lord, they never contradicted each other, even when many of them hadn't met each other, nor had read what the others had written. It's impossible by human intervention, thus it was only possible because it was inspired by God. God cannot err. Titus chapter 1 verse 2, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18. There is not a book in the world with this level of complexity, level of diversity, and yet with the same consistent message. Consider the following. The Bible was written by more than 40 writers who came from every walk of life. Fishermen, kings, philosophers, tax collectors, poets, musicians, statesmen, scholars, priests, shepherds, etc. And written in many different styles. Songs, parables, narrative, legal, poetic, historic, romantic, biographic, autobiographic, prophetic, satiric, and allegoric. and written during the largest spectrum of circumstances and emotions, joy, war, sacrifice, famine, prosperity, conviction, persecution, yet the message stays consistent and without contradiction. It has been proven time and again that the only contradiction has been found in one's understanding. 3. Science confirms today what the Bible has said for thousands of years. What more will they confirm in the next few years? The question that should be asked is, how did they know the following facts back then when only now we have scientific evidence as proof? Only one answer, God inspired them. Here are some of those scientific statements God's Word makes. Many people in the ancient world, famous Greek philosophers and religions, believed that the earth was flat, never-ending, and some in the East believed it sat on a giant or an animal. But Isaiah in the Bible, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22, spoke of the earth being a sphere in around 700 B.C. Also, Job, 1,200 years earlier, said that the earth hung upon nothing, Job chapter 26, verse 7, around 1900 B.C. And Jesus, in around 30 A.D., implied that the earth revolved so that at the same time there is day and night, Luke chapter 17, verses 34 through 36. Pretty amazing that science could only prove this thousands of years later. God's Word tells us that the earth was split apart after the flood around 2300 B.C., 1 Chronicles chapter 1 verse 19. Science only in the last few centuries was able to prove that the earth, at one point, was a large mass that split apart. The difference between the Bible and soft science is timing of when it happened. Another amazing fact. God told us what were good meats to eat, Deuteronomy chapter 14, around 1400 B.C. Good meats to eat are sheep, cattle, goats, chickens, and bad meats are pork, shellfish, cats, dogs, snakes, etc. Science recently released that these bad meats are filled with toxins and harmful to us. Jesus told those who believe that in the name of Jesus Christ they are to lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover, Mark chapter 16, verse 19, around 31 A.D. 
Many are healed in the name of Jesus, where some doctors attribute it to a positive environment, but yet they can't reproduce it because they're missing the key, Jesus Christ. God's Word says a merry heart is like good medicine. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 22, around 800 B.C. Science confirms that a merry heart improves health. God's Word has said from the beginning that the physical world is made up of the invisible. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 26, written around 1450 B.C., and Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, in around 60 A.D. Only in the 20th century have scientists proven that the world is made up of the invisible, variation of energy, thus nothing is solid and everything is just a variation of energy. The Bible had been saying this thousands of years earlier. 4. The Bible is the only book to be copied many times on perishables like animal skin and papyrus, sometimes on stone, wood, or clay, yet it still maintained its integrity and its accuracy. Think of the impossibility of this happening when we know that the Bible is the most copied book in history. So how do we know it is accurate? Comparing Old Testament ancient texts, such as the Dead Sea Scrolls from 200 B.C. to 68 A.D., to the latest Hebrew text, which is used for translation, such as Ben Shyam, 1525 A.D., and the Leningrad Codex, 1008 A.D. The accuracy over 1,500 years is astounding, unparalleled, and frankly beyond amazing. Although vowels were later added to the Hebrew text, the sequence of events and words remained exactly the same. There have been a few interpretation or translation discrepancies from the original language into other languages, but the original language still remains unparalleled in accuracy. What was the motivation behind people copying them so accurately? God. His word is a love song with personal direction similar to a musical piece. Alter one note and you change the song. This is why God warns people not to take away or add to his word. Actually, he forbids it, and there are consequences for those who do. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 2, Proverbs chapter 30 verses 5 and 6. The manuscript evidence for the New Testament is also dramatic, with over 5,300 known copies and fragments in the original Greek, nearly 800 of which were copied before 1000 A.D. Some manuscript texts, such as the Aramaic text, date as early as 130 to 150 A.D. Less than 80 years after the original writings, 50 to 95 A.D., known as autographs. Interestingly, these manuscripts surpass the reliability of all the other ancient writings put together. Many historians trust ancient literature as reliable and authentic, but compared to the New Testament, they don't even come close. 5. The Bible contains many prophecies that have been fulfilled, and some still to come. Here is one of the macro prophecies written before they came to pass. The rise and fall of the five evil empires or kingdoms before Christ comes to reign over the earth. Daniel had been given the prophecies of the last five evil empires that God would allow to rule over his people. Why would God allow his people to be ruled by evil? Because of their rebellion against him. Now, when Daniel, around 600 B.C., prophesied, Daniel chapter 2, verses 14 to 45, he was in one evil empire, and four had not yet come. Babylon, 606 B.C., Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, 
Media Persia, 536 B.C., Daniel chapter 5 verse 28, chapter 8 verse 20, chapter 9 verse 24. Greece, 336 B.C. Daniel chapter 8 verse 21, chapter 10 verse 20, the Roman Empire, Daniel chapter 9 verse 25, and what is yet to come. Except for the last one which has not come, both history and external sources have confirmed what Daniel had prophesied many years earlier, how these empires would rise and how they would fall. For those who are interested in the final evil empire that would come before Jesus physically reigns on earth, here are four signs for you from the Bible. The purpose of the prophecies isn't just for you to know, but for you to do something about it. A. The final evil empire consists of ten nations. Daniel chapter 7 verse 7, chapter 2 verses 41 to 42, Revelation chapter 13 verse 1, and is located on the seven heads, that is, seven mountains. Revelation chapter 17 verse 9, Rome was known to be the seat of the seven hills. It is similar to the previous evil empires, Revelation chapter 17 verse 10, but will be more like the old Roman Empire, a larger version of the European Union today. This empire will be ruled by ten leaders the Bible calls kings. They will have blasphemous names, probably something like what the Roman emperors in the first and second century had on their heads, Theos meaning God, implying they are the world's God, Revelation chapter 17 verse 3. This empire will be partly strong and partly fragile, symbolized by the iron and clay feet. Also, it is more balanced than the previous empires, symbolized by toes, and a balance between the strong iron for tension and clay strong for compression. Daniel chapter 2 verse 33 and verses 41 to 43. The strongest three of the ten kings will be clearly uprooted by a man the Bible calls the beast, also known as Gog. He will probably be a descendant of Japheth, because he is of the land of Magog, Genesis chapter 10 verse 2, and from the region far north of Israel, Ezekiel chapter 38 verse 15, chapter 39 verses 1 and 2, therefore probably a Caucasian or Asian. He comes from amongst the three strongest kings and suppresses them, Daniel chapter 7 verse 20 and verses 23 to 24, thus becoming ruler over all ten kings and speaking on their behalf. Daniel chapter 7 verses 7 and 8, verse 20, verses 23 and 24. Revelation chapter 17, verses 11 and 13. He initiates and gets the world to sign a peace treaty with Israel for seven years. Because of this, he is seen as a hero and they celebrate this peace, which is a false peace. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3. He will speak what people want to hear, speaking to their lusts. Daniel chapter 7, verse 8. He will proclaim inclusion of all, and those of the world will be quick to embrace him. But it will also be hypocritical, as he will try to abolish God's laws and reestablish his own laws for people to follow. He'll write his own book of laws for people to follow, trying to be a God to all. Now, just before God removes Christians from the earth, he will be mortally wounded by a sword or knife, which will be noticeable by all, like a beheading or something just as drastic but he will be brought back to life by Satan who incarnates him, giving him his power. This is after Satan is kicked out of heaven forever. Daniel chapter 11 verse 45, Revelation chapter 12 verses 9 and 12, chapter 13 verses 12 and 14, chapter 17 verse 11. P. 
people will be in awe at what just happened, and he'll declare that he is the Messiah the prophets spoke about. b. The general world culture leading up to the evil empire described in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-5, through 5, quote, People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. End quote. And Peter expresses in 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 3 to 6 that there will be many scoffers who will mock God's word and Christians. They will find ways to escape reality by getting drunk, drugged, meditation, and thereby ignoring the reality of eternity and repentance toward God. C. Signs of the world and earth leading up to the evil empire. Jesus said in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, Now when you hear of wars and reports of wars and instability, watch not the trouble. Be not startled, for indeed all these must first come to pass, but immediately the end is not yet. For indeed nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles and pestilences. Now all these are the beginnings. D. Signs of the time leading up to the evil empire. Counting from when Adam and Eve were created until the start of the world's tribulation period is 5,993 years. Why 5,993 years? Because at the 6,000-year mark, Christ reigns 1,000 years for the earth's Sabbath. And just before his reign, the world experiences the wrath of Christ and of God for seven years. So where are we in terms of the biblical timeline? We don't exactly know the day or the hour, but we have a 100-year range. Based on biblical chronology, we know as of 2010, it is around 5,960 years since Adam and Eve were created. Therefore, the midpoint would be 2043 A.D., but it can be any time before or any time after. So what is the principle? Be ready. 6. Lastly, Jesus Christ of Nazareth himself is the evidence. The question everyone is faced with is, do I believe him or not? If I do, then the Bible is God's word. G. Is Jesus the Messiah, the one we are to surrender to? Three years. Jesus ministered for only three years and made the biggest impact the world has ever seen or known. Even the dating of our years is based on his birth, B.C. and A.D. For the good news of Jesus Christ to spread across the world like it has must have been divinely inspired. No other comes close. Miracles Jesus performed miracles that no one ever did. How do we know he performed the miracles? What would cause people who were steeped in their Jewish tradition to change and be convinced that these miracles were from God? The miracles would need to be impossible and have lasting results. People were in awe and made statements like, Will the Christ do more signs than this man has done? John chapter 7 verse 31. Also, if we were in a court of law and we had two witnesses describing the same events, then their testimony would be considered true if they matched. How much more accurate when we have four witnesses, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who feared God, who wrote these in different places and from different angles, and all saying the same thing?
The question is, what would Jesus need to do in order to prove that he was the Son of God to you, and this proof would result in you laying down your life in sharing the good news concerning him? Well, this is the question many first-century people experienced, which resulted in them giving up their life to tell others. They saw Jesus heal the sick, he raised the dead, he walked on water, he commanded the storm to cease, and it did, he spoke about the future which came to pass, he fed over 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish that they were all filled, he commanded evil spirits to leave, and they did, he made the blind see and the deaf hear, he spoke with angels, he spoke with Moses and Elijah who had died centuries earlier, he healed the lame and they walked. He made those who were missing body parts whole. He commanded the fish into the nets. He resurrected himself from the dead after three days. Then he ascended to heaven in front of them. What would you have done if you saw this? Really? Resurrection We can dig up the bones and visit the burial sites of all the founders of the different religions, except for Jesus Christ, who has risen. No other religion claims that their founder is still alive except Christians. No other religion has ever seen their founder physically after the founder died, except the Christians. Fulfilled Prophecy As mathematicians, I ask you to look at the evidence and calculate the probability that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah, the Christ, by the fact he fulfilled Scripture from 1400 to 400 years before he was born in flesh. This Jesus is the same Messiah that God told Moses would come. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 18 and 19, quote, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him, End quote. There is more than one times ten to the eighteenth power probability that Jesus is the Messiah prophesied about in the scripture. I bank my entire life on these kinds of odds, and so should you. This is very conservative, as it ignores hundreds of prophecies and all major prophecies, for example the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, John the Baptist born of a woman past menopause, healing the deaf, the blind and lame, he being sold for thirty pieces of silver and the money later used to purchase the potter's field, being resurrected in a physical body. These prophecies would turn the probability to infinity. Let me share the method of calculating probability. If we were going to drive downtown and there were 10 traffic lights, what is the probability of them all turning green without us having to slow down? Assuming they only have red and green lights, amber is insignificant relative to time, and the time they change is equal to one another. So, for each traffic light, we have one in two odds of passing through it green. Therefore, the probability would look like one-half times 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 one-half. That's 1 over 1,024, same as a 1 in 1,024 probability of passing the 10 lights all green without slowing down. Or, said another way, 1,024 probability of not passing all the green lights without slowing down. So, based on the same methodology, let's take a few of these prophecies concerning Jesus Christ fulfilling the conditions of the Messiah, the King of the earth, Son of God, the one who God told us to obey, and let's break it down into two main areas. One, paternal lineage through which he came, and two, what happened to him once he was on earth. One, 
establishing the paternal lineage relative to the population, assuming males were 50% of the population. The probability that Jesus fulfilled the conditions of the Messiah is 1 times 10 to the 12th power, based on 1 in 20,000 to 350,000 odds. Jesus specifically is the seed of Abraham. Genesis chapter 22 verse 18, Matthew chapter 1 verses 1 and 17. Population at that time was anywhere from 40,000 to 700,000 people. 1 in 2 plus odds. Jesus lineage through Isaac and not Ishmael. Genesis chapter 21 verse 12, chapter 26 verses 2 through 4, Matthew chapter 1 verse 2. 1 in 2 odds. Jesus lineage through Jacob. Genesis chapter 28 verses 13 and 14, Numbers chapter 24 verses 17 and 19, Matthew chapter 1 verse 2. Jacob being one of the two sons of Isaac. 1 in 12 odds. Jesus lineage through Judah. Genesis chapter 49 verse 10, Micah chapter 5 verse 2, Matthew chapter 1 verse 2. Judah being one of the twelve sons of Jacob. 1 in 8 odds. Jesus lineage of King David. 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 1, 2 Samuel chapter 7 verses 12 through 14, Matthew chapter 1 verse 6. David being one of the eight sons of Jesse. 1 in 140,000 to 280,000 odds. Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5 verse 2, Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 6. Jesus being one of 140,000 to 280,000 men born in Bethlehem from Micah until he was born, around 700 years. Those in Bethlehem were predominantly of those born through the lineage of David. 2. What happened to him once he was on earth? The probability that Jesus fulfilled the conditions of the Messiah is 1 times 10 to the 6th power, based on Wise men from the East told Herod the Great that the Messiah was born and it was the Jewish rabbis who shared the prophecy with Herod of where the Messiah would be born, Bethlehem. Herod was compelled to kill all male children in Bethlehem from two years old and under at the same time Jesus was born. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 15, Matthew chapter 2 verses 17 and 18. What would compel Herod the Great to do such a thing in Bethlehem unless he believed it to be true? or believed that the people believed this to be true and wanted to stop their belief. Either case, there are so many ways of evaluating the probability of this from Bethlehem being one in 60-plus cities under his jurisdiction, plus one in 10-plus ways Herod would respond to it, so I will not include it in the probability calculation. One in two odds. Jesus was called out of Egypt to Israel. Hosea chapter 11 verse 1 Matthew chapter 2 verses 14 to 15 verses 19 to 21. Joseph having one of two options, either to stay in Herod's jurisdiction or flee to Egypt, which was under Rome's jurisdiction. Once Herod died, they returned from Egypt to Israel. One in two odds. Israel leaders chose to reject Jesus. Psalms chapter 35 verse 19. Isaiah chapter 53 verses 1 through 3. John chapter 1 verse 11. They either accepted him or rejected him. His message of being the only son of God was too drastic for them to be on the fence. 1 in 12 odds. Jesus would be betrayed by his friend Judas. Psalms chapter 41 verse 9. John chapter 17 verse 12. 
Judas was one of his twelve disciples, whom Jesus knew about but allowed in order to fulfill Scripture. One in four odds. Jesus was betrayed by Judas for exactly thirty pieces of silver, and this money was later used to purchase the potter's field. Zechariah chapter 11 verses 12 through 14, Matthew chapter 27 verses 1 through 10. The decision was agreed upon by two parties, the priests and Judas. The probability of exactly 30 pieces and of silver, and then the money used specifically to purchase the potter's field, is one in near one million plus odds, so I will leave this out of the calculation and just use the choice to make the decision one in four odds. One in eight odds. Jesus was flogged and beaten and spat upon. Isaiah chapter 50 verse 6, Matthew chapter 26 verse 67, chapter 27 verses 26 through 30. 1 in 96 odds. Jesus was mocked, his hands and feet were pierced, he was crucified. Psalms chapter 22 verses 7 and 8, verse 16. Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10. John chapter 19 verse 37. Decision not to stone Jesus as the Jewish custom, but handing him over to the Romans. They chose crucifixion by piercing both his hands and his feet, and pierced his side. They rarely pierced those crucified, they normally broke their legs, and they died by suffocation. The reason they pierced him was because he was dead. One in two odds. Soldiers gambled for Jesus' clothes. Psalm 22, verse 18, Matthew, chapter 27, verse 35 a choice they made. One in four odds. Jesus was buried in a rich man's grave. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 9, Matthew chapter 27 verses 57 to 60. The rich man chose to take Jesus knowing he would be ostracized by the Jewish leaders. He built the tomb for himself and gave his own tomb to Jesus as he considered Jesus being more valuable than himself. By combining these prophecies of one and two, we have more than 1 times 10 to the 18th power probability that Jesus fulfilled the conditions of the Messiah. These prophecies were all made long before Christ arrived in flesh. There are hundreds of more prophecies that I could add, but the above already is beyond anything we currently bank our life on. In fact, the probability that you will eat your next meal before you die is significantly becoming less and less, far less than what Christ offers you today. In closing, Jesus confronted those who did not believe that he was the Messiah. John chapter 5 verses 38 to 40, verses 46 to 47, John chapter 14 verse 6. You do not have God's word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me, that you may have life. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you don't believe and you die, it will be too late. Neither wisdom, money, self-righteousness, psychology, negotiation skills, nor religion can save you from eternal destruction. Only Jesus can, because he paid the price. This is the reason God sent him, to make a way of escape for us, and to make a way for us to have an intimate relationship with him for eternity, starting now. Jesus said, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, 
For what profit it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And Luke chapter 16 verses 19 through 31, extract from the Holy Gospels in one. Quote, now there was a certain wealthy man who also wore purple and fine linen, being merry and luxury every day. Now there was a certain beggar named Lazarus who was brought unto his gateway full of sores and desiring to be satisfied from the crumbs falling away from the rich one's table. But even the dogs coming to lick his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died, and he was carried away by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Now the wealthy one also died and was buried. And in Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, seeing Abraham away from afar and Lazarus in his bosom. And he called for him, saying, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, so that he dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this same flame. Now Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your life received good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. Now this moment this one here is comforted, now you are in agony. And besides all these, between us and you there is a great chasm established, so that they desiring to step over from here unto you cannot, nor cross over unto us from there. Now he said, I ask you therefore, Father, so that you send him to my father's house, for indeed I have five brothers, so that he earnestly testified to them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, hear them. Now he said, No indeed, Father Abraham, but if one should go unto them away from the dead, they will repent. Now he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither would they be persuaded if a certain one rose from the dead. Is this you? Here's the key. It's your choice. Repent, and as Paul said, Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 13, quote, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him, and he with me. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20.